From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Thank you. Who was it? Oh, uh, Jim the Mailman. This here's the uh, owner's manual I sent for for that ginormous safe in the First National Bank of Ocean Town. Oh, now, Ray, you weren't really serious about us robbing that bank now. Well, money is sure tight. I figure if I study this here bank safe manual, I can get some insight into how to break into the thing. Then we'd be set for life. Yeah, life in prison. Well, smarty pants, how do you think we're going to get through the winter with the prices going up and up and up around here? Zeke Manners in the 1946 singing Lariateers will tell you all you need to know about inflation. All throughout the nation, the situation's tense. You think you've got a dollar, but you just got 20 cents. Sky high, everything you buy is sky high. Anything you try. restaurant for steak the other night the price right on the menu 50 cents a bite so i thought i'd have a hot dog they look so very nice but while i put the mustard on they raised the prices twice twice sky high everything you buy is sky high anything you try is sky high check was given i heard the waiter say don't let it get you buddy because you got six months to pay hey rich man he can sing and dance but poor man he ain't got no chance he'll soon be left without his pants
listen, Mr. President, all you congressmen, too. You got me all frustrated and I don't know what to do. I'm trying to make a dollar, can't even save a cent. It takes all my money just to eat and pay my rent. That's why I got the blues. Got those inflation blues. I'm not one of those highbrows. I'm average Joe to you. I came up eating cornbread, candy yams, and chicken stew. Now you take that paper dollar, it's only that in name. The way that paper buck is shrunk, it's a low down dirty shame. I got the blues, got those inflation blues. sweet I like to smell some butter on my bread and you know I gotta have my meat when you stopped rationing you really played the game but things are going up and up and up and up and up and my check remains the same that's why I got the blues got those inflation blues That was Louis Jordan and his 1948 Timpani Five singing the Inflation Blues. And we opened with a 1946 Inflation, intoned by Zeke Manners and the singing Lariateers. This inflation is the reason Rex and I here are planning to rob the bank downtown. Leave me out of it! Now Rex, you're probably wondering why I've been staying up all night the past five nights. Do tell, Ray. Well... I've been monitoring the night watchman at the bank through the plate glass window. Every night at exactly 1.23 a.m., he goes into the break room, has a snack, and listens to Superman on the radio. So he's occupied for 20 minutes right there. Then he goes to the restroom for seven minutes, then resumes walking around. So we have 27 minutes to get in, crack the safe, and make off with wads of dough. Well, Ray, personally, I don't share your fascination with the folding Franklins. In fact, Gene Autry here says, money ain't no use anyway. Gee, but life is funny. I take it as a joke. I laugh and smile all the while, even if I am broke. Cause money don't mean everything It only makes life gay I didn't bring it in this world And I won't take it away I'll be old I'll be 
Gene Autry tell us money ain't no use anyway in 1931, after which Johnny Ace complained of no money with the assistance of Johnny Board's 1954 orchestra. And no money is a situation Rex and me are in. We're going to rob a bank. No, we ain't. I'm going to go into the bank first and pretend to ask for a loan so I can case the joint and get the lay of the land. Then later we'll break into the safe in the wee hours of the morning. What can we do for you, young man? Well, sir, I'm interested in taking out a loan. Uh, do you have any collateral? Are you making any money? That's funny, that's what Chick Bullock and his levy loungers were just asking in 1933. You make time and you make love dandy. You make swell molasses candy. But honey, are you making any money? That's all I want to know. You make fun and you could make trouble. Make mistakes and that goes double. But honey, are you making any money? That's all I want to know. You make dates and you make trains. I can get that through my head. It's a cinch in a pinch you could make breakfast, even make the bed. Oh, you make good when you make a promise. No, I'm not a doubting Thomas. But honey, are you making any money? That's all I want to know. they will ask you when you flash that famous ring oh you make time and you make love dandy you make swell molasses candy but honey are you making any money that's all i want to know and you make fun and you could make trouble make mistakes and that goes double but honey 
are you making any money? That's all I want to know. You make dates and you make trains. I can get that through my head. It's a cinch in a pinch. You could make breakfast, even make the bed. Now you make good when you make a promise. No, I'm not a doubting Thomas. But honey, are you making any money? That's all I want to know. the loan desk of the First National Bank of Oceantown, and we just heard John Philip Sousa's 1917 band play the Liberty Loan March. 
before that chick Bullock and his levy loungers asked the 1931 question, are you making any money? The, the loan officer has asked me to go to this other desk to fill out a credit rating form. And uh, while I'm doing that, here's, here's Joy Lynn with Don Bester and his orchestra with the 1934, you gotta give credit to love. I talked it over with the furniture man And he suggested such a marvelous plan He said to pay for it whenever we can Or you've got to give credit to love I talked it over at the grocery store Now we can talk the things we want and what's more They've got a boy who brings the stuff to your door Or you've got to give credit to love Oh, the butcher and the baker and the man who sells the ice Proved to me they had a heart Cause the butcher and the baker and the man who sells the ice Told me that's how they got their start I talked it over with the cop on the beach He seemed to understand, now isn't it sweet? He said he'd watch the kitties cross in the street Oh, you've got to give credit to love I know, but when you speak 
Albert Campbell and Henry Burr in 1916. Give a little credit to your dad. This was preceded by You Gotta Give Credit to Love, featuring Joy Lynn and Don Bester and his 1934 orchestra. I'm, I'm here at the bank pretending to ask for a loan so I can have a look around, kind of like a reconnaissance mission for when Rex and I break open the safe tonight. Now, while I was sitting here waiting, I happened to overhear a disgruntled loan officer at a nearby desk complain about how his clients are actually paying their mortgages on time. He says he has no way of lording it over them, especially the young ladies of the families. Rosemarie is going to flesh out the story with Nellie paid the mortgage. She'll be backed up by Van Alexander's sextet in 1947. Weren't it fit night for man or beast that morning When Nellie, our heroine, being neither man nor beast Was out in the snow, apprehensive and so inconsolable She was gathering wood for the old homestead And her heart was heavy, not that heavy 
knowing that soon Claude Moneybags, the Viper, would be there to demand the money for the mortgage. When at that very moment the villain came to see her and he twirled his black mustache, he looked Arnelli over as she stood with a lowered lash. He thought he'd surely get her just because she needed cash. But, but Nellie paid the mortgage on the farm. When Nellie started pleading to the villain, he was cold. Please have a heart, she begged him, and it's then that she was told. The heart I'll have is yours, my dear, because it's made of gold. But Nellie paid the mortgage on the farm. Oh, how she cried. Oh, how she cried at the thought of Ma and Pappy in the snow. Though she tried, oh, how she tried. She just couldn't figure how to raise the dough. So she went into the city, though it's wicked and it's bad. A city has no pity, and her plight was a very sad. Still anything was better than the clutches of the cad. And Nellie paid the mortgage on the farm. How she cried. Oh, how she cried. Oh, your heart would break if you had heard her sob. Though she tried, and she tried, still it seems the gal just couldn't get a job. But Nellie paid the mortgage, and now everything's okay. The villain got his money and went grumbling on his way. And little Nellie's ma and pa wondering till this day how Nellie paid the mortgage on the farm. Now, perhaps you folks misunderstood and think Gardenelli wasn't good, but perish the thought and don't be rash. You gotta be good to get all that cash. Now Nellie and a ma and pa safe from any harm Cause Nellie paid the mortgage on the farm Said the farmer to his daughter You're as pure as Pine Creek water And from the righteous path you've never strayed You're as perfect as a saint So I can't make no complaint But how come the mortgage got paid? When our bank account was zero Your boyfriend was no hero I can't forget the exit that he made Heroes ain't supposed to stammer and spoil the melodrammer. So how come the mortgage got paid? Uh, tell me how, uh, tell me now. Oh, won't you tell me how we made the grade? When you told him of our sorry plight, he quite politely said good night. So how come the mortgage got paid? <laughs> when I 
the sheriff came a knocking. There was nothing left for hawking. We even sold the parlor window shade. On that black and fatal date, we were ready to vacate. But how come the mortgage got paid? When you said you weren't willing to marry that there villain, I still recall the rumpus that you made. When that viper came a-slinkin', you knew what he was thinking. So how come the mortgage got paid? You slapped his great big fat mustache, so how come the mortgage got paid? How come the mortgage got paid? How come the mortgage got that was two 1947 descriptions of young women paying the mortgage and thwarting the evil designs of the loan officers. First, we heard Rosemarie and Van Alexander's sextet describing how Nellie paid the mortgage, and this was followed by Beatrice Kay with Mitchell Ayers and his orchestra asking, how come the mortgage got paid? Sounds like some commendable initiative on the parts of those young women. Okay, Rex, we're in the alley behind the bank. I hope you know what you're... Hey! Is that an open window up there? Let me shimmy up the drain pipe and have a look. Hey, looks like a ladies' powder room. Well, maybe they need to air it out. Hang on, here I come. Okay, well, we're in the bank. Now we just have to wait for the night watchman to go on break at 1.23 a.m. In the meantime, here's Big Joe and his rhythm in 1945. Your money can't buy me. Hey, Ray, what, what are these vending machines for?
times we went slumming You drank your beer and your wine Whose money did you spend? It wasn't your friends And the money that you spent was mine Now someday you'll grow lonely For the sun won't always shine You'll be left alone to pine With trouble in your mind And the money that you spend won't be mine was L. Dexter and his 1941 Troopers. The money you spent was mine. Before that, Johnny Tyler and the writers of the Rio Grande sang about some 1947 rockin' chair money, a reference to unemployment compensation. And the trio of tunes about legal tender was touched off by Big Joe and his 1945 rhythm, Your Money Can't Buy Me. Rex, it's 1.22 a.m., so get ready to rock. Night Watchman should be going on break in just a few seconds. As soon as he starts listening to Superman, then the coast is clear. Presenting Superman. It's a good thing we're wearing our pajamas because the built-in slippers are pretty quiet. It's Superman. It smells like he's having beef stew. It's making me hungry. Be quiet. Okay, here's the safe. It's opening. Well, will you look at this? Yeah. Where's all the money? This is just premiums left over from last year's drive to get people to open bank accounts. Yeah, toasters, wall clocks, and a bunch of self-published books of poetry authored by the wife of the bank president. Oh, there's the alarm. Let's get out of here. All right, you do. You should be ashamed of yourselves. You belong in bed at this hour. Don't don't shoot, Mr. Police Officer, sir. It wasn't my idea. I, I didn't want to do it. Ray made me do it. You helped yourself to my bankroll. Smart gal without me knowing. You helped yourself to my bankroll, smart gal without me knowing. Someday your pretty blue eyes are gonna be black. My bank account is gone and now you're going.
the bar room, you always come home glowing. When you go to the bar room, you always come home glowing. You leave the bartender a $20 tip. My bank account is gone and now you're going. never make a showin' When you go to the racetrack Your horses never make a showin' You always lose the races And now you're losing me My bank account is gone And now you're Стартуйте лепи разом, а весело. Pieniądze ci sprzyjają, za pieniądze cię kochają, za pieniądze zabijają, krzywo w sądzie przysięgają. Wszystko wiecie, za pieniądze dostaniecie Nawet żona męża zmieni, za pieniądze se odmieni 
lubią bogatego, każdy spogląda na niego. Bogatemu słońce świeci, bogatemu samo leci. little Polish economic philosophy, money can attain everything. That was Pavel Fault with Ignacy Podgorski and his Nadwitzkadzina Orkiestra from 1931. This was preceded by Jesse Ashlock in 1947. My bank account is gone. Well, Mr. Buckmeister, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bank President, sir, uh, sorry to call you out of bed, but we found these two miscreants broke into the safe. Oh, and, uh, by the way, I I love your pajamas. Gray flannel with, with a print of nickels and dimes. Well, gentlemen, I must say I'm delighted by this golden opportunity. I'm going to offer to drop all charges if these two young fellers agrees to take home all the premiums. The toasters, the coffee makers, the hostess tea sets, the books of poetry and electric pencil sharpeners so the bank could start using the safe for money again.
shining up in the sky. There's a dream we can buy, sweetheart, you and I. The moon is a silver dollar made for lovers to share. And with you in my arms, I'm a millionaire. Our cares and troubles are only small change. Someday they'll all change into a dream come true. The moon is a silver dollar. What a glorious sight. Let's invest it in love is a silver dollar, that 1939 sentiment put forth by Charles Farrell with the helping hand of Wayne King and his orchestra, before which we heard Erich Valkvist mit Columbia Dragspel Orchester, Love's Private Bank, from Sweden. And so a happy ending for all involved. Our hero bank robbers Ray and Rex walk home with oodles of fabulous prizes, coffee makers, photo albums with padded full leather covers, and hundreds of copies of the self-published book of poetry by Mrs. Buckmeister, the bank president's wife. The bank can now use the safe to store actual money again, and the night watchman gets a bonus. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Now that Ray and Rex are tucked into bed where they belong, we hear next a radio drama about another bank robber named Ray, who has a slightly different experience, courtesy of the FBI in Peace and War. So let's listen. The FBI in Peace and War. Another great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, The Gentleman Friend. Morning, Mr. Taylor. Oh. Oh, good morning. I just wondered if you were on your way downtown, Mr. Taylor. My car's not running, and I'm having trouble getting a cab this early in the morning. Well, sure, Mr. Banner. I guess you don't recognize me. I've been over at the bank a couple of times for a business loan on a filling station out in the Long Hill section. Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Banner. Well, hop in. I'll be glad to give you a lift. Thanks a lot. I knew I'd seen your face somewhere. 
The filling station on Long Hill, I remember now. You took that up with Miss Lindley in the loan department, didn't you? Yes, that's right. Well, I hope we'll be able to accommodate you. Oh, it won't be necessary now. I've got other plans. Oh, that's too bad. Well, if you wanted to discuss the loan with me personally... No, I don't I... think so, Mr. Taylor. All I want you to do is act as if nothing's happening until we get inside the bank. Then as soon as the time lock opens on the vault, I want you to tell the cashier to put all the money in his bag. What's... Well, what's the joke, Mr. Banner? No joke, Mr. Taylor. You'll do exactly as I say. I'll use this gun if you make one wrong move. Is that clear, Mr. Taylor? Daring and carefully planned robbery was carried out at the National Bank at Westville, New York on August 12, 1951. With perfect timing and an intimate knowledge of the bank's routine, the lone holdup man succeeded in taking $86,000 in cash. Our bureau was called into the case, and we agreed with the local police that the first question to be answered was, how did the bandit acquire his perfect knowledge of bank routine? Over a period of weeks, we talked to every employee of the bank on this subject. That you, Netta? Yes, Emily. Well, for goodness sakes, it's about time. What held you up? Oh, Mr. Taylor wanted to see me. The FBI men are coming again tomorrow. They're going to talk to all of us. Hello, Arthur. Hi, Annetta. Didn't you confess yet? Arthur. Oh, now you can't tell me she wasn't in on this. <laughs> but you want my opinion, Netta? That's trying to get a husband the hard way. Arthur. Oh, now she knows I'm only kidding, don't you, Netta? Yes, Arthur. Did you eat yet, Emily? Yes, there's meatloaf in the icebox. Uh, we thought we'd make the early movie. I'll do the dishes. <laughs> That's the way we planned it. Oh, really, Arthur? Why are you being especially obnoxious tonight? I just feel good. That's all. <clears throat> you you want to see the movie, Netta? No, thank you, Arthur. I'm tired. Uh -huh. Say, uh, one of those FBI guys ask you when they come around? Oh, I, I don't know. Go eat your supper, dear. Arthur's only talking. No, no, I'm curious. Now, what good would it do them to talk to you, for instance? Huh? Well, I, I handle the papers on the loan, and... Well, he did take me to lunch one afternoon. You told them that? Of course, last time they were there. What was he like, Netta? Miss Banner, mm. she doesn't want to talk about it, Arthur. Now, let's go if we're going to make the movie. Well, they, they got any clues on him, Netta? I don't know, Arthur. You read the papers. Oh, the papers don't know anything. The Chronicle says they questioned the guy in New Orleans. They, they don't know anything. Get the car out, Arthur. We'll be late. Hey, how do you suppose he knew just when the time lock opened on the vault, huh? Now, you shouldn't have told him that, Netta. Arthur, stop it. I only <laughs> I had only... lunch with a man. It was part of my job. Oh, no, anyway, Netta, I just I... can't stand this constant teasing. If you want me to get a room of my own, Arthur, Arthur I'll be only... Arthur, go get the car. Okay, all right. Now, don't, don't be sore, Netta. I only came here because you wanted help with the rent. We'd want you without the rent, dear. Sure. Listen, I told Emily it's no good your own sister living alone in a rooming house. Let her come here and stay with us. Arthur, it's a quarter of seven. All right, all right, I'm going. But don't be sore, will you, Nettie? Emily, I think I ought to go back to Mrs. Simmons and get my old room. You'll do no such thing. Just wish you wouldn't tease me, Emily. I, I know I'm not pretty. Netta. I'll probably never get married. Netta, dear. Why is it such a crime to be over 30 and not married? Why, Emily? Nettie, don't talk like that, please. Well, he shouldn't tease me, Emily. I know, honey. I'll speak to him. Even if he doesn't mean anything by it. He won't do it anymore. Look, why don't you come to the picture with us? You can have a quick no, sandwich. No, you go ahead. It's Spencer Tracy. You like him? No, you him. go ahead. I'll be all right. 
I'll tell you what. Just leave the dishes. I'll do them, Emily. It's no trouble. You run along. All right, but I hate... I've lots to do. Now, don't worry about me. All right. We'll be back early, dear. Take your time. And I'll speak to well, Arthur. It's all right. I guess he didn't mean anything. See you later, dear. Mm-hmm. Hello, long distance. I'd like to make a station-to-station -station call to New Orleans, Louisiana. The number is Walnut 9970. Reverse the charges, will you? As our investigation of the Westville robbery continued, it became apparent that the hold-up man had spent at least a month in Westville prior to the robbery and had become friendly with a number of people. One of his friendships interested us more than any of the others. And we talked with the treasurer of the bank, Mr. Taylor, about it. Well, that hardly seems possible. Miss Halsey is, well, you've seen her, certainly rather plain, to put it mildly. A plain or not, Mr. Taylor, she did drive into New York with him, and they probably went to the theater that night. Netta Halsey? The manager of the Westville Inn saw her sitting in Banner's car. And the manager got two tickets to a musical show for Banner. But Netta Halsey, if... If it were one of the other girls, I could understand. How long has Miss Halsey been at the bank, Mr. Taylor? Longer than I have. About 15 years, I'd say. And she certainly has a complete knowledge of the routine. Well, of course, but you aren't suggesting that Miss Halsey... We're merely saying that she spent more time with Banner than necessary for a business transaction. You may be right. It just seems incredible, that's all. Would you like to talk to her alone? No, we'd rather have you stay. Come in, Netta. You know Agent Reynolds and Agent Stevens of the FBI? Yes, how do you do? We're sorry to bother you so much, Miss Halsey, but there are one or two questions we'd like to ask. Of course. Sit down, Mother. Thank you. Miss Halsey, did you see Mr. Banner at any time other than the luncheon you told us about or the times when he came here to the bank? I don't think so. Never. At any time in the evening, Miss Halsey? For a drive? Or the theater? Oh, yes. Yes. As I remember, Mr. Banner did invite me to the theater. He said a friend of his gave him two passes to a musical show. Did you go? Uh, yes, I did. Then there were other times you saw Mr. Banner. Well, this once, yes. Why didn't you tell us about that when you said you'd had lunch with him? Well, I... I didn't think it was important, and, and, and I know Mr. Taylor wouldn't approve if I... Well, accepted too many favors from a prospective customer of the bank. Those were the only two favors you accepted, the lunch and the theater? As far as I remember, yes. It was only three months ago, Miss Halsey. Yes, I know. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us, Miss Halsey? No, no, I, I don't think so. All right. That's all we want to ask you for the present. Sorry I'm not more helpful. Well, that's all right. Thank you, Miss Halsey. Yes. Gentlemen, I, I can hardly believe it then you probably wouldn't believe that Banner bought a solid gold lapel clip at the Simpkins jewelry store. The clip that Miss Halsey was wearing. Netta Halsey, I... will ask you not to talk to anyone about this, Mr. Taylor. You can understand why. Oh, 
I'm just not going to believe it, Netta. You can't convince me. Emily, please don't be loyal and understanding. I can't take it. But didn't you know he was a criminal? I just knew we were going to be married, that's all. Netta. I told you, Emily, he needed money desperately. He owed thousands of dollars to those gamblers. Oh, Nettie, can't you see he was just playing on your sympathy? They killed him, I know it. Netta. He had to have the money. Can't you see that? I can't see you helping him. I didn't know I was helping him, not at the time. Then why not let me call that FBI agent No, right no, I won't do anything to help them find him. Netta, do you know where he is? I can't tell you that. You do know. Now, Emily, listen to me, please. We were going to be married. Ray is the gentlest, most considerate, the finest man I've ever known. Nettie. Well, he is. He's a thief. A common Don't thief. Don't you dare say that. Oh, Nettie, Nettie, stop it. Emily, I think even if I'd known what he was going to do, I wouldn't have tried to stop him. You don't mean yes, that. Yes, I do. I... I won't let you judge Ray by ordinary, everyday standards. Nettie, don't talk like that, please. You don't know what he went through. He never got a decent break. His oh, child stop was... it, Netta. You're talking about a bank robber. A man who would have killed anyone who got in his way. You just don't know Ray, Emily, or you wouldn't say that. Hi, anybody home? What are you going to tell Arthur? Nothing, Netta. Hello, ladies. What's new and interesting? Any murder or mayhem while the old man was away at work, huh? <laughs> There's the paper. Don't fight for it. Hey, Netta, don't you want to see the paper? Netta, where's she going? Let her alone, Arthur. She's got a headache. Mm, looks like she's been balling again. Sometimes I can't figure her at all. Can you? No, sometimes I can't, Arthur. She's my own sister, and I can't figure it either. The day after we had talked to Netta Halsey, Agent Reynolds was present at a conference in the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was decided that there was sufficient reason to begin a 24-hour surveillance of Miss Halsey on the chance that she might still be in communication with Banner. This plan was just a few hours too late. Netta Halsey had left her sister's home early that morning, taking all her possessions with her. All of mine. Carry your bag, ma'am. No, thank you. But, but could you tell me where the public phone is, please? Right over there, ma'am. Across from the information. Thank you. Yeah, this is it. I, I'd like to speak to Ray, please. Ray who? R Ray Smith. Never heard of him. You got the wrong number. No, 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 wait, please. I'm sure this is it. Listen, um, t tell him, tell him Netta Halsey wants to talk to him. Well, there's nobody please, here, but... Please, you've got to tell him. It's terribly important. Now, tell Hello, him... who is this? Hello, who is this? Ray, it's me, Netta. Who? Netta Halsey. Netta, where are you calling from? Union Station. Here in New Orleans? Yes, I just got in a few minutes ago. Are you out of your mind? I told you I'd let you know when to come. I couldn't wait, Ray. I've got to see well, you. Well, I told you. I couldn't wait any longer. Th things happened. I, I, can't, I can't tell you over the phone. When can I see you? Where are you going to stay? I don't know. All right, look, go to the Royal Palm. I'll send someone there tonight. I want to see you, Ray. No, Netta, don't be a fool. I'll send someone to you, and they'll talk about it. Yes, 
Is that all? Yeah, that's all. Um, Netta. Yes? Nobody knows you're here? Of course not. All right. You'll be patient, Netta. I'll see you. Do you want to, Ray? Of course I do, baby. As soon as possible. You wait for me. I will, Ray. Goodbye, darling. So long, Netta. Be good. <laughs> As soon as we learned that Netta Halsey had left her sister's house, we checked all stations and air terminals. By the following morning, we knew that Netta Halsey had gone to New Orleans, and her description was wired to our field office. An intensive search got underway immediately. Yes? You Netta Halsey? That's right. I'm a friend of Ray Banner's. Oh, come in, please. Just a minute, I'll get those things off the chair. Oh, don't bother. I'm not staying. I haven't had a chance to straighten up. I just got in this afternoon. I know. I talked to you on the phone. Oh, oh, you were the one that... Yeah, I'm the one. Friend of Ray's. How is he? He's all right. Look, Miss Halsey, I'm going to give you a piece of good advice. Put those clothes in the suitcase and go back where you came from. I came here to see Ray. He can't see you. Believe me, it wouldn't be safe. A couple of months from now, maybe... I've waited four months. You want him to get picked up? How do you know you aren't being followed? I want to see Ray. That's why I came down here. He's going away tonight. I told him not to take any chances. You told him? Yeah, I told him. I see. Now, look. Ray knows it costs you dough to come down here, so he says you take this 1500 bucks. What are you to Ray? I already said. I'm a friend of his. He's a friend of mine. What do you want, a road map? Now, you take this 1500 bucks... I'm going to see him before I leave here, and I don't want the money. You know... I could get very annoyed with you, sister. I don't care whether you're annoyed or not. You tell Ray that if he doesn't see me, I'll go to the police. I'll give myself up. You what? I'll give myself up. You know something? He said you were kind of a screwball. He was right. I mean what I say. Sister, I think you really do. I don't know how a blowhard like Ray does it, but when he turns on the you job... You want to tell him what I said? Yeah, I think I will tell him. I'll be waiting to hear from him. All right. And I won't wait long. Uh-huh. You don't want to change your mind and go back home? I'm never going back home. Okay, you can't say I didn't try. You want to see him, you see him. Not my funeral. When Agent Reynolds and I arrived in New Orleans, Netta Halsey had been located at the Royal Palm Hotel and had been put under 24-hour surveillance. It was obvious that Miss Halsey was waiting for someone. Every night for a week, she had taken a cab to the end of Canal Street, then walked along the river embankment. On the seventh night, Agent Reynolds and I were watching from a parked car. Suddenly, Agent Reynolds left the car as I saw Miss Halsey step up on the embankment and look down at the river. That water's pretty muddy, Miss Halsey. I wouldn't try it. Come on out. Let's go over and sit down and talk about it. Let me go, please. Now, you stick. It's okay, Steve. She's all right. Take it easy, Miss Halsey. Let's sit down now. Come on. Alone. Why didn't you mind your own business? You're our business, Miss Halsey. Now, who are you waiting for? Ray Banner? Let me alone. I'm not going to talk to you. Why didn't he meet you, Miss Halsey? Was he afraid? He won't tell you anything. Do whatever you want to. I don't care. You've been here every night for a week, Miss Halsey. Didn't you realize he never intended to come? He did. Something must have happened. I told you I wouldn't talk to you. Miss Halsey, we talked with your sister for a long time. She thought it was best to tell us everything. 
Don't you realize that this man used you? He never had any intention of marrying you. That's a lie. If he could have paid off his debts, if he could have been... Let me alone, will you? We don't want to charge you with helping Banner in the robbery, Miss Halsey. We feel sure you had no intention... I said I planned the whole thing with him. We planned it together. Oh, now, that's not true, Miss Halsey. It is. I did help him. How? I... I don't know. Let me alone. Have you seen Banner since you got here? No. No, I haven't. Have you talked to him? Yes, on the phone. Do you know where he is? If I did, I wouldn't be here waiting, would I? We're trying to help you, Miss Hall. I don't want your help. If you'd let me alone, I wouldn't have needed anybody's help ever. It's never as bad as it seems at the time, Miss Hall. Oh, stop talking like that and take me in. Get it over, whatever you're going to do. We're going to take you downtown. All right, I'm ready. Just one question, Miss Halsey. What day this week... Dave. Yeah? Getting out of the cab down there in the parking area. Uh-huh. Get her out of the way. Okay. Come along, Miss Halsey. Go over there by the ferry ship. Right. Ray! Shut her up. Ray, a policeman! Ray, get out of here! Stop, I'll shoot! Now, get down! Get down! Do you want to get hit? Get down! Stay here. I knew he'd come to see me. That's why I waited. I knew he'd be here sometime. Overwhelming evidence against him, Ray Banner pleaded guilty to the robbery of the Westville National Bank and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. The case of Netta Halsey aroused national interest, and her sympathetic lawyer convinced the jury that Miss Halsey was not an accessory to the crime. For her part in protecting Banner after the robbery, she was put on a two-year term of probation. Our books are closed on The Gentleman Friend. now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1954 episode of the FBI in Peace and War entitled The Gentleman Friend. Now stay tuned for a 1947 episode of the Jack Benny Show in which Jack's sponsor buys insurance on him. with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills, where, as you know, he lives alone with his butler, Rochester. 
9.30 in the morning, and as usual, one is in bed while the other is in the kitchen preparing the breakfast. Now, let's see. Where are the eggs? <laughs> so hard to find anything in this refrigerator. Maybe I ought to trade it in. I hear the newer models have a light in them. <laughs> Oh, oh, here's an egg on the bottom shelf. Potatoes are cheaper, tomatoes are cheaper. Now's the time to... That song doesn't fit now. <laughs> Gee, I'm hungry. I think I'll scramble my egg. Let's see, how do you scramble? Oh, yes, first I'll break it into this bowl. Hmm. Gosh, I'm weak in the morning. <laughs> Maybe I better have my orange juice first. Yeah, I'll make some. Yeah, that orange juice looks good. Now to get the seeds out. One, two. Oh, there's another seed. Three. <laughs> well, they're planted. <laughs> Potatoes are higher, tomatoes are higher. Now's the time to sell your car. La 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 la. Yum bum 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 bum. Now to have my orange. That's funny, the glass is empty. Somebody drank my orange juice. There's nobody in the house but Rochester. That's it. Rochester. Wait a light. Rochester, Rochester, did you drink my orange juice? <laughs> Rochester, you're not fooling me. Get up. Bloop bleep. <laughs> Rochester. I know I'm cute, honey, but control yourself. <laughs> hmm. Maybe he is asleep. I'll tickle him and wake him up. Rochester. Oh, it's you, boss. What a disappointment. <laughs> Never mind that. You sneak downstairs, drink my orange juice, and get back in bed. Orange juice? I was sound asleep. Sound asleep? Then how come you woke up so fast when I tickled you? You were using the hand you had in the icebox. <laughs> now, Rochester, I made a glass of orange juice, stepped out in the backyard for a minute, and when I came back, the orange juice was gone. Maybe the mice drank it. Mice don't drink orange juice. In California? <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it later. Now, get up out of that bed. I'll, I want you to drive me down to the doctor's office. 
I've got to go for a physical. What's the matter, boss? You feel bad? No, no. It's just that my sponsor is taking out an insurance policy on me, and I have to be examined. How much is the policy for? A million dollars. But if I'm killed accidentally, the sponsor collects two million dollars. Two million? Yes. Boss, you better keep your... You better hope that guy keeps his eye on the red bullseye. <laughs> well, that joke was loused up. If I ever heard it. Oh, you mean the commercial? Well, I'm not worried about that. You know, they shoot that gun in another studio way over on Sunset and Highland. I don't even pass there on my way home. I know, but for $2 million, they can make a bullet that waits for you at Pico and Sepulveda. <laughs> what are you talking about? My sponsor's just trying to protect his investment, that's all. Now hurry downstairs. Imagine him denying that he drank that orange juice. Got a good notion to make him stay in bed all day. No, he'd like that. Hmm. No seeds in this one. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, Jack. Jack, are you up yet? Huh? Oh, hello, Mary. Come on in. I'm in the kitchen. What are you doing here so early? Early? I was here 10 minutes ago. I came into the house, walked into the kitchen. Nobody was there, so I drank a glass of orange juice and left. <laughs> Mary, you... You drank my... All right, here's a dime. <laughs> okay, smarty, I bet you'd be surprised if I took it. I wouldn't be surprised if you sued me. <laughs> I don't want the dime. Anyway, Mary, I've made a terrible mistake. I accused Rochester of drinking my orange juice. Well, that's you, Jack. Always jumping at conclusions. I do not. What about that morning you got out of bed and accused Rochester of taking your new suit? Well... Then you took off your nightgown and there it was. <laughs> that wasn't my fault. When I come home tired, he's supposed to undress me. Well, anyway, I drank your orange juice and you ought to apologize to Rochester. Oh, Mary, I don't have to apologize. I mean, he knows I'm sorry. He does not, and you've got to tell him. Oh, Mary, I can't. You can, too. Now, be a man. Oh, hello, Miss Livingston. Oh, hello, Rochester. Uh, Mr. Benny has something to say to you. Oh. Jack, go ahead. Well. Jack. Oh, all right. Rochester. Turn around and face him. <laughs> oh. Go on. Well. Rochester. Yes, boss? I'm sorry I said you drank my orange juice. <laughs> Jack, come back here! I will not! Oh, what a baby. Well, I better get the car out. I gotta take Mr. Benny to the doctor. The doctor? What for? The sponsor took out an insurance policy on Mr. Benny and he has to be examined. Oh, you think he'll pass it, Rochester? Pass it? Oh, sure, Miss Livingston. Haven't you seen his muscles? Yeah, they were hanging on the line when I came in. <laughs> Rochester. Oh, you're back. Yes. Now, Rochester, get the car now, and we'll go. Now, Mary, I've got to hurry away, so you try and... Oh, darn it, there's the phone, just when I'm ready to leave. Hello? Hello, Jack. Guess who this is? Huh? Who is this? I'm in a hurry. Well, I'll give you a hint. 
Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and I'm lumpy too. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake, Don, I have to rush away. What did you call me for? Well, Jack, I've got the quartet here. We got a wonderful idea for a commercial. But, Don, I don't want to hear it over the phone. You can wait till rehearsal. Anyway, I don't like the songs that the sportsmen pick. Why don't they pick some things classy once in a while? Well, we've got one now, Jack. It's Listen to the Mockingbird. Oh. Oh, you mean the one that goes, Listen to the Mockingbird. Listen to the Mockingbird. Yes, yes, that's the one. Oh, oh, well, that's swell. Let me hear it. Are the boys close to the phone? <laughs> good, good. Take it, boys. Listen to the man who knows. Listen to the man who knows. They're so round and so firm and so bully. So bully, bully. So bully, bully. Bully what? They're so round and so firm and so bully. Bully what? They're so bully, 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 bully what? <laughs> Listen to the target ring. Boy. Listen to the target ring. Boy. If you're right, yeah, 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 the Red Bull's on. Let's go, I don't want it. start out so nice and then go crazy. I mean, we can't use that commercial. It's too noisy. Where'd they get that gun? They found it on a bench at Pico and Sepulveda. <laughs> no. What's that, Jack? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I'll see you at rehearsal. Hmm. I thought Rochester was only guessing. Well, I'm going to have my orange juice and then go. Rochester, did you get the car started okay? Boss, when I know you're going out the next morning, I let it run all night. <laughs> oh. Jack, letting your car run all night, doesn't that burn up an awful lot of charcoal? <laughs> Not much. Well, come on, Rochester, let's go. Well, look who's here. Hello, everybody. I came in through the kitchen. Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny, and thanks for the orange juice. <laughs> Oh, for heaven's sake, now I'll have to squeeze another one. And only last week, the president asked us to conserve food. I know it's a problem, but everybody should do it. My mother conserves food every night. Well, well, she deserves a lot of credit. How does she do it? When it's time for dinner, she locks me in a closet. <laughs> Dennis. But I got even with her. I ate the doorknob. <laughs> what? Now every little thing turns my stomach. <laughs> Rochester, we're awfully late. Can't you go a little faster? Okay. You know, right after I take my physical, we'll go down to... Rochester! Rochester, they got me! They got me! Get back in the seat, boss. That was only a tire. Oh. 
Yeah, I should have known we're only at Pico and Robertson. <laughs> Rochester, you change the tire and I'll walk to the doctor's office from here. Let me see, his office should be around here. Oh, there it is, Doctors Fenchel and Gordon. <clears throat> yes, sir? Oh, I'm Mr. Benny, nurse. I have an appointment for a physical examination. Oh, yes. Yes, I'll have to fill out this form. Your full name, please. Jack Benny. Your birthplace? Waukegan, Illinois. Your age? 38. <laughs> Your height? 5 foot 10. Your weight? 157. Your age? 38. <laughs> Your home address? Uh, 700 North Rexford. Your business address? Uh, 360 North Camden Drive. Your age? 38. <laughs> Color of your eyes? A robin egg blue. If you'll just sit over there and wait, the doctors will see you in a minute. Thank you. Potatoes are cheap and da da dum dum dum. Gee, that nurse is an attractive girl. I wonder if she'd go out with me if I asked her for a date. I wonder how she'd look without those white stockings. I wonder how she'd look without that uniform. I wonder how she'd look in a bathing suit. I wonder how she... Oh, I'm being silly. <laughs> anyway, I don't think that she'd go out. So long, doctor. Thanks a lot. Phil! Oh, hiya, Jackson. Phil, what are you doing here? Well, Jackson, I didn't want to worry anybody, but I've been having terrific headaches. You have? Yeah, so I came up here to find out what was wrong, and the doctors took some x-rays of my head. Here, you want to see one of them? No, x-rays are all the same, just bones, you know. Hey, here, now, here, take a look at mine. Well, what do you know? That's the first skull I ever saw with curly hair. <laughs> Phil, how did this happen? X-rays never show hair. I had it retouched. <laughs> oh. Say, what's this writing down in the corner of the x-ray? The name of the doctor? No, no, it says, To Alice with Love. I'm giving it to her for her birthday. <laughs> Phil, why in the world would you give Alice an X-ray for a present? Why not? She's got everything else. Oh, well, that's logical, yeah. <laughs> Tell me, Phil, uh, what do the doctors do about your headache? Plenty. Them doctors are plenty smart, Jackson. First, they gave me a complete physical. Then they gave me all the allergy tests. And then they checked my reflexes. And then they psychoanalyzed me. And they find out why you have headaches? Yeah, my band plays too loud. <laughs> No, they have the audacity, the audacity to tell you that? Yes, the audacity? And in, <laughs> and in Latin, too. <laughs> Say, Jackson, what are you doing here? Oh, it's nothing. I just came for an insurance examination. Why don't you wait for me, Phil? It won't take long. Oh, I can't. I'm meeting Alice downtown. We're going to a movie. Oh, what picture are you going to see? Mother was tight. <laughs> That's 
mother wore tight. That ain't bad either, Dad. <laughs> Goodbye. So long, Phil. Mr. Benny, the doctor's waiting for you. Good, good. I'll go right in. Oh, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm uh, Jack Benny. Oh, yes, I've been expecting you. Hello, Pierce Brothers Mortuary. <laughs> what? Don't get excited. I'm having lunch with Ralph Pierce. Oh. We're quite friendly. I throw him a lot of business. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, hello, Ralph. 1.30 at the Brown Derby. Bye. Goodbye, Ralph. And now, Mr. Benny, I'll get my associate in here and we'll give you your examination. Oh, Dr. Gordon. Yes, Doctor? Uh, will you help me with this examination? This is Mr. Benny. Uh, pleased to meet you, Dr. Gordon. Oh, thank you. Now, Mr. Benny, will you please strip? You, uh, you mean undress? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Doctor! Doctor, I don't need the music! I'm uh, sorry, our last patient was Gypsy Rose Lee. Oh. Now, get behind that screen and take off your clothes. Yes, sir. When you are ready, Dr. Fenchel and I will be in the next room. Oh, Doctor, I have been concerned about that call you made this morning. Any information yet? Yes, I got a report from Dr. Stanley, and it's... it's all over. What was the result? She ran fifth, and we lose four bucks. <laughs> Gee, we took a beating on the Dodgers, too. Yeah. I wonder what's taking him so long. Uh, Mr. Benny, have you got all your clothes off? Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> then come out from behind that screen. Well, gee, don't I get a balloon or something? <laughs> Just slip on this gown. Yes, sir. There, I'm ready. Yeah, very well. Now, hold still, Mr. Benny, while I listen to your heart. Uh, just a minute. I want to adjust my stethoscope. There. <laughs> well, that's certainly a peculiar heartbeat. Well, it has to beat like that. It's in my contract. <laughs> and now, Mr. Benny, will you please step behind this fluoroscope? Yes, sir. Good. Contact? A contact. Hey, Mr. Benny, there seems to be a round metallic object near your kidney. Well, that's a quarter I swallowed years ago. Huh? <laughs> Shall we, Dr. Gordon? Why not? <laughs> uh, Mr. Benny, will you please hiccup? Hiccup? Yeah. Uh, it's tails, Dr. Gordon, you lose. <laughs> hey, what is this, anyway? Huh? And now, Mr. Benny, drink this glass of barium. Barium? You mean all that white stuff? Yes, it's a harmless chemical, and when you drink it, we can follow its course through the fluoroscope. Oh, all right. Gee, it tastes awful. Drink it off. There. Ooh, look, Dr. Fenchel. 
The barium has reached the esophageal entrance. It direct goes over the cricoid cartilage, behind the tracheal bifurcation, to the arc of the aorta. <laughs> now it's passing the esophageal hiatus. If it passes Pico and Sepulveda, it's dead. <laughs> Now it's going through the esophageal gastric junction. Now it's coming around the kidney on the outside, headed into the home stretch. It's barium sulfate by two links. Come on, barium! Come on, barium! It's barium, the winner by a nose! Doctor! Doctor! <laughs> what is this? What's going on here? Did Phil Harris have to drink that barium? No, he insisted on a martini. <laughs> a martini? Well, how could you trace it? We followed the ollie. <laughs> should have known. Is that, uh, is that all, Doctor? Yeah, that is all for now. You can go. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, Mr. Benny. Yes? You'd better put your clothes on. Oh, yes. Got <laughs> <laughs> to put my clothes on. I forgot. A pretty girl is like a melody. Da -dee -da 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 -da. Da da dum dum da 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 dum dum da dee da 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 Well, I'm all dressed. Goodbye, doctors. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye, nurse. Your age? Thirty-eight. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an old American custom to help the other fellow, and one of the best ways I know of helping those in need is through the community chest. By treating vital problems as they arise, Red Feather Services prevent these problems from spreading throughout the community and affecting the welfare of the nation. By giving to the community chest, you benefit millions of Americans directly and all of us indirectly. The sign of the Red Feather is the sign of a good neighbor. So give generously to the community chest. Thank you. And... Oh, Jack, how did your physical come out? Oh, fine, fine, Mary, but I have to go back tomorrow. Why? I forgot my underwear. <laughs> Good night. You are listening to WSHDLP Esport. We've just heard a 1947 episode of the Jack Benny Show. Now stay tuned for the next installment of Superman from 1940. Presenting Superman. Up in the sky. Look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. And now, Superman. Amazing figure from another world with powers and abilities never before realized by mortal men. Given a chance to make good by Perry White, city editor of the Daily Planet, young Clark Kent, who was really Superman, 
leaped out a window 20 stories above the ground and vanished in a swirl of fog. Secret warnings had come to the newspaper of a vague and sinister plot against the railroads of the West. And mild-mannered Clark Kent had received orders to go west at once and investigate. Already danger is forming in the path of the Silver Clipper, cracked train of the West Coast Railroad, roaring over the prairie on her way to Denver and Salt Lake. All planes were grounded by fog and sleet. But today, as our story continues, a strange figure hurtles through space. Red cape streaming in the whistling wind. Superman speeds to his assignment. 24 hours to go. The Silver Clipper leaves Denver tomorrow night on her way to Salt Lake City. That man who calls himself the Wolf, have to find out who he is, too. Said the train would never get there. We'll see, Wolf. We'll see. If you're up to something, look out. Because the other side has Superman. And as Superman wings his way westward, following the faint steel ribbon of the railway line below him, two men sit waiting in a tiny shack in the Colorado foothills. One of them is Keno Carter, gunman, gambler, bad man of the Southwest. Keno waits nervously, waits for some word from the figure across the table, the dark, shadowy figure who calls himself the Wolf. Hey, listen, boss. Will you please tell me what we're doing out here now? The Silver Clipper ain't due till tomorrow. Don't even leave Denver till tomorrow afternoon. Very true, Kino. But the Western Limited is due in exactly ten minutes. Well, what uh, What are you going to do with the Limited? I warned various people and newspapers that something would happen to the Silver Clipper tomorrow night. As it will. So far, they've chosen to ignore me. Very well. When they see what overtakes the Limited... In slightly less than ten minutes, they will pay more attention to me when I call again. Now listen, boss. What is this, a game? What are you trying to do? Why ask me, Kino? Do I know any more than you? We're told to paralyze the railroads. That's all. But it's enough. We obey orders. Well, whose orders? Where did they come from? Yours come from me. And you know what happens, Kino, if you disregard them. Shall I tell you again? Uh, No, no, never mind. Very well. Come outside. Ah, Not long to wait now. If the limited is on time, we should begin to hear her. I don't hear nothing. Ah, she is on time. Have you done what I told you? Yeah, I done it. But I don't see... You will see, Kino, very shortly indeed. Hey, what are you trying to do? Scare him to death? Listen now to what I tell you. I'm listening. That train will be going over that trestle down there in another seven or eight minutes. So what? At the end of the trestle, as you can see, Kino, the track turns and runs along the cliff on the mountainside. I see. The mountains to one side, very steep and abrupt, then the track, then the canyon, 300 feet deep. Hey, listen, you're going to throw them down the canyon? The whole ten cars? As I said before, all you have to do is obey orders. All right. What do I do? You wait till the train has crossed the trestle, then you fire the charge. Right away? Count ten, if you like. All right. And then what? Then events will take their natural course. After which you will come back and join me in the cabin. Hey, she's coming. And coming fast. Moving, my friend. Let her cross the trestle. Then count ten. Ah, good. Still following the railway. Ought to be getting fairly close to Denver. Looks like a long trestle up ahead. I'd get aboard that train if it weren't so slow. I'll drop down a bit and look it over. Might do it anyway. Ride in as Clark Kent. 
that man on the side of the mountain doing? Looks like he's got a charging battery for dynamite blasting. Something queer about that. Seems to be waiting. He's waiting for the train. Gonna blast it right off the tracks. This looks like some of your dirty work, Wolf. Well, here's where Superman takes a hand. I've got to stop that train. I'll get aboard and they'll stop to put me off because I have no ticket. But it's got to be fast. 90 miles an hour. Good speed for a train, but it can't leave Superman behind. Ah, there's the observation platform. And what luck. Nobody on it. Now then. Grab the platform rail. There. Leap on board. Now. Now to join the passengers is Clark Kent, cub reporter for the Daily Planet. Off for the cape, into ordinary clothes, and inside. Tickets, please. All tickets. Tickets, please. Prepare, Flo. All tickets, please. Tickets, please. May I have your ticket, please? Oh, I... I'm sorry, Conductor, but I've lost it. No, you've lost it. And I'm afraid that I'll have to ask you to pay the fare. Now, you know, I, I'm terribly sorry, but I seem to have lost my money, too. Uh, I thought so. You've been riding the blinds and figured you'd sneak in here where it's warm. Well, we know how to deal with bums like you. Yes, that's right, Conductor. Stop the train and put me off. I don't mind. Huh? Say, who are you? Uh, Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet. But that, that's all right. I, I, I ought to be more careful. Teach me a good lesson. Well, I guess I'll take a chance if you're really a reporter. Well, you're liable to write up a story about getting kicked off our train. You can stay where you are. But look here. And I'll take I... care of you when we get to town. And if you're not a reporter... Oh, no good. I overplayed it. Wait, Scott, I've got to do something and quick, too. We're on the trestle. Where's that emergency cord? Hey, hey, what's going on here? Who, who pulled that cord? Why... I did, Conductor. I, I'm terribly sorry. Sorry? Well, you'd better be sorry. Here, here. Come back here. Come back I, here. I can't stay, Conductor. My conscience bothers me. I'll just jump off right where we are, on the trestle. You here. come back here. Oh, I, I'll be all right. Don't don't worry about me. No, no, I got you. No, what? you no. can't get away this time. Now, you stay right here. I want to get well, off. Well, you ain't getting off. You'll go to jail for this. You come back up them steps. Look. Up the mountain, Conductor. That flash. Hey, wh what the... What the... Why, what's going on up there? It was a blast. An explosion up the mountain. Great Scott, Conductor, look, look what's coming. Oh, Lord, save us, it's a rock slide. Tons of rock coming down on the track. Listen to it. And right ahead of us, too. Took the tracks out like two pieces of string. Oh, Lord. And now they're all coming out to find out what happened. It's all right. It's all right, ladies and gentlemen, no danger. Just a rock slide up ahead. That's all. There may be a slight delay. Delay? You don't think you can dig through that, do you? Now get back in the train, please. Get back. It's dangerous out here. Back on board, please. We may be held up a little while. Back on board, everybody, please. We'll be pulling out directly. Now then, Conductor, I I think you owe me a vote of thanks. No, you do, do you? Well, what makes you think that? Well, use your eyes, man. Where would you be now if I hadn't stopped the train? Huh? Well, now, there may be something in what you say. I'm not denying if we'd been going our regular speed, we'd have got that rock slide right about the third car. I'll say you would. You'd have been down in that canyon, too. And it's 300 feet deep. As a matter of fact, that's where you were intended to be. Oh, is it? Well, what makes you think so? Goodbye, Conductor. I'll see you later. Hey, you come back here. Catch that guy. Joe, Mike, don't let him get away from the dark. Where'd you go? Catch him. Catch him, man. Get a hold of the boy.
20 tons of rock. Why, that's nothing. Hardly a workout. Anything to put a crimp in the wolf's plans. And Clark Kent, reporter, simply must be in Denver by morning. First of all, down into the canyon for the missing rails. There they are. Now, back to the roadbed. I never swept up a rock slide before, but there's nothing like trying. Here we go. Ha! Why, it's nothing. I'll have the line clear before that conductor knows I've gone. The Limited will be in Denver in an hour. Well, Kino, all done. What happened? No, nothing happened. Nothing happened? What do you mean? Well, one of them things, boss. The train stopped on the trestle. Stopped? That train never stops. Well, it stopped this time, and a guy got out, and I didn't know, so I shot the stuff. Yes, yes, I heard it. Well, didn't you come out to look? I thought I'd better stay hidden. Well, there was a rock slide, and that's all. The train wasn't scratched. The line's blocked, but the train ain't hurt. This man who got out, who was he? After the slide, I snuck down and joined the mob, see? I heard him talking about a newspaper guy and looking for him. A name of Clark Kent. Kent? I don't know him. Well, you better, because he knows us. What's that? I don't know. All I can tell you is they're looking for him. Clark Kent, a newspaper man. Who knew enough to stop that train? Well... We shall look for him, too, my friend. Uh, we'll have lots of time. They won't get the line clear this side of Sunday. We shall look for this Mr. Kent, and when we find him... Ah, the train. They've decided to go back to Pueblo. Let's look. Aquino. Aquino, that train. What? It's going west. Why, it can't be. Hey, well, what the... But it is. It's on its way to Denver. Why, it can't be. Why, there was 20 tons of rock on the line. Look for yourself, Kino. It's not possible... It's not human, but look. Well, very well. We go to Denver too, Kino, at once to find out what goes on and to take care of Mr. Kent, the newspaper man. Get the plane ready. Less than 24 hours to solve the plot and save the Silver Clipper. But now the wolf is hard on Clark Kent's trail. What happens in Denver when daylight comes, when Clark Kent breaks the story, and when the wolf meets Superman? Tune in and don't miss it. And remember, be with us again for the next thrilling installment of Superman. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1940 installment of Superman. And thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Around the World's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week.
This is Joe Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady. Join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHD LP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad. Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. are listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. Hi, this is Craig Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Eastport 93.3 FM. 